Bonjour. Bonjour. I'm Tamsin. I'm Kate. Welcome to The Damned de Paradis, a podcast about the art of lost living in rural France. We're neighbours and friends. And together we explore the gentle and seasonal gifts of a slowed down life in a quiet corner of Gascony. Some years ago, Tamsin showed me an abandoned ruin of a medieval convent in a hamlet called Paravi or Paradis. We joked that our rural French lives were nearly as heavenly and cloistered. The desire to reach out and exchange conversation was born. Welcome to these conversations. And cake. Inspired by that first visit to meet the Lost Damned de Paradis. Hi, Kate. Hey, Tamsin. <laughs> and here we are as we slice the cake. What's, what's, uh, what's our cake? Oh, this is a little marmalade, orange marmalade cake that I, orange almond meal or ground almonds that I uh, sort of bastardized from a Claudia Rodin's orange cake, which uses whole oranges. And I just decided I would use part of a jar of orange marmalade that it I have. It looks great. I love... Um, the chunks of marmalade. Yes, there. that's what I decided. I was first going to, because you, when you, in the mm. original recipe, you cook the oranges whole and then you process them in a, a blender, a food processor, so they're all a puree, oh, the rinds nice, and everything. And so I thought, like, oh, well, I'll just do that with the marmalade, except I love the chunks in it and the rind and marmalade itself. And I thought, okay. So I've now made this my own recipe. I've changed mm. it so much from the original one. But um, That's it's nice because it's so simple. It just has eggs, ground almonds, uh, orange marmalade, a little bit of baking powder, no flour, just um, no oil because mm. I, the oranges, I think, have enough and no other liquid. Yeah. It's really super easy. Mm. And enough um, uh, stick. In fact... I mean, it's quite unusual to use just almond as well, but that's lovely and rich. Yeah, it's nice. Uh, it's got a nice kind of crumb to it. I think because there's enough eggs, six eggs, in oh, this yeah. little cake. Oh, it's lovely so. and um, soft. Mm. Mm. Oh, yeah. Nice. Mm. It's perfect warm. The orange... The kind of bitterness of the mm -hmm. orange cuts through the Yeah, kind of it's a Seville orange. The marmalade is made mm. with Seville oranges or bitter oranges. It's almost, it reminds me a little bit of a of a, um, Gato Basque. Ooh. Mm -hmm. But better. <laughs> More moist. Yeah. Yeah, it's very nice. Um, I also added a little orange flower water. You know, it's like mm. um, here in... Especially in the Bordeaux area, the southwest, do you ever buy crepe arôme? Or it's an, a it's a, a flavoring for when you make mm. crepes, and it's orange flower water. Yeah, I do buy stuff. And um, I also add, so I added some of that oh, to emphasize okay. the orange, and then I added a bit of my secret, which is um, vanilla in Armagnac. So there's a little, mm. just tiny mm. bit of vanilla in that with a little Armagnac. That is really delicious. And that sort of emphasizes the orange. Orange and Armagnac goes really well together. Yeah. So. Like duck a l'orange. Mm -hmm. Oh, that, that would be good as an as a after for duck. Yeah, it's nice. Mm. It's nice because it's rich, but it's... Uh, wow, the texture is really great. It's a yeah. nice cake texture. Yeah, it's really good. 
it's not heavy um but it's rich but it's not sickly and it just is everybody of... getting hungry listening to us <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of rude like we're having cake but we are putting the recipe on the substack so you can yeah. make the cake yourself in fact i'd pause make the cake and then listen, <laughs> and then listen. <laughs> yeah that would it's be easy it really came together very quickly like five minutes in the mixer and then in the oven about an hour mm. so we thought because it's march that we would talk about intention um because january and february are when the whole world gets on the intention vibe and then by the time you get to march everybody's intentions have waned and actually that's the best time to start an intention or be intentional because it's a time of birth springtime when new ideas um are supported by just the, the, the rhythm of nature and it's every day here as we start to go through planning the garden which I sort of started earlier in the year in January February but actually going to all the seeds deciding what needs to go in the ground or what needs to be planted indoors first yeah i don't have a lot of space for that cuz i don't have a lot of i don't have a greenhouse but i have a a window and i put a big uh, cup um shelving unit in front of it so we started a lot of the, t- the tomatoes the chilies and yeah. some flowers and various things off so you have so the idea with this intention of planting a garden is you have to be back yourself way up you have to buy the seeds or acquire the seeds and then you have to plant them and then get the ground ready and then wait for the right moment to put them outside uh, and, and i suppose when we like when, when we first were talking about intention i love the fact that you were like oh god i hate the word intention <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it always is one of those words that people kind of throw out there as if it's a catch-all and everybody knows what it means. But pretty soon it just sounds to me like a buzzword and there's no meaning, there's no intention in the word. Yeah. It's just like a label you put on something to you see that a lot in, you know, when you're reading surface reading yeah, websites or blogs or there's no meaning yeah. for meaning Yeah, and it. so when we started talking about this, I had to look it up and he said, what does intention really mean? What does the dictionary say? And it basically just says doing something on purpose or with meaning. Mm. And I thought, well, don't we do everything on purpose? <laughs> and I realized well, a lot of people just float through life and do things and don't think about what they're doing. Yeah. And I mean, I, I succumbed to that for sure. But I have to say, I feel that my life here in part because of the environment and it's why I stayed. It kept me focused on what was important and meaningful to do at any time of the year. March is a, you know, it's a rebirthing. You know, the winter's over. You know, we're getting our first serious rains, but we also have sunshine. The day's really warm and then it hails and there's all of these wonderful, you know, like weather cycles happening all in one day. But the idea is you have to be prepared to get planting if you're going to have fruit and vegetables later yeah. in the year or even in six weeks' time. Well, when we were thinking about um, how we would talk about intention, we realized that, you know, first of all, we thought it's a massive topic mm. and um, maybe we should split it into what are the intentions for living and what are the intentions for working. And of course, 
our lives are a lifestyle. So our work and life is completely integrated. Um, so the conversation is probably just going to go all over the shop, which is no <laughs> bad thing. But I do like the idea of saying, you know, in, if you look at what the your intention for your life is, how that will later manifest itself in work, in the work you do or a practice that you do. So I think we do naturally... Um, we will always naturally start talking about sort of day-to-day -day living and end up talking about production of what we do. So Yeah, and I, I, I'm with you when, when you say, obviously, the practice of yoga is all about intention. But often I find when I'm coaching or I'm with guests on retreat, um, that bringing an awareness to intention can be quite challenging because it really is wrapped around the art of asking questions to find meaning. And like you say, intention is a buzzword. You know, there's so much out there in magazines about what's your word for the year or what's your intention. You just choose something that you think sounds nice. But actually, is that really what you want? Because when you're quiet enough to ask yourself a question about um, the direction of your life. You know, intention is bringing your awareness to your vision. Yes. Isn't it? Really? Yeah. I create your vision and your plans can be interchangeable to get you to your vision. And there's that little sweet moment where you maybe you're not thinking through, it's not overthinking what you're doing or wanting to do but where you've ingested enough uh, ideas and thought into a pro process you're going to do that you just then can do it naturally with intention. You have put that in there, but you're not reading. It's like you're not reading a recipe to make the cake. Mm. You know what will go in the cake. You know from experience what you need. You need eggs. You need something to bind it. You need a little leavening. You need something for flavor. All those things now you know so that you're not just, I didn't just throw things together in the bowl. I, with intention, knew I was going to make this cake, but I didn't have to follow an exact recipe because I've incorporated it into my life. And that comes with wisdom. And Because you've made loads experience. of Experience. <laughs> yeah. I make cakes a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Or anything that you do a lot, you're comfortable with. It comes back to practice, doesn't it? It's it like is all practice. Everything's a practice. Yeah. And when you're intentional about your practice, um, I think that's when you bring the essence of joy to what you're doing. If you're not intentional about what you're doing, it's almost like you miss the point. It's mechanical. You're just following, um, like you say, you're following a recipe, but you're not actually exploring the ingredients or taking the or having the trust to go off piste mm -hmm. i love that about recipes when you i don't follow recipes either it's like I, I i'll go out for dinner or in fact i haven't been out for dinner for ages or i'll see ingredients and then i'll think how do i want to put it together or how do i want to replicate something i might look at a recipe for ins inspiration i've been talking a lot about that because it's um where i realize that I rarely go to a market or a grocery store with a, a, there's always a list like toilet paper, don't forget, dog biscuits or whatever. 
But in terms of what food I'm going to buy, I go and look to see what there is and what looks good, maybe what's a good price, what I'm, you know, maybe I have a hankering for duck. So today we're going to get a duck at the market and do a couple different things with it. But the idea of understanding the products or the ingredients so well that I don't need mm. to say, what recipe am I going to make with that duck? I'll get the duck first and then I'll decide, you know, I've got turnips or I've got green olives or I've got, um, yeah. I want to make kind of a spicy Asian soup or something mm. I can I can play with once I have those ingredients in hand. But that, again, that comes from experience and knowing. And having a good larder. Yes, yeah, and I do spend a lot. I have actually, I was just buying that for my Substack this weekend um, about, I do just sort of buy with abandon, and then I and then my real job is to figure out how to use up all this food, so there's no yeah. waste. Yeah, and I just when I open your fridge to get the oat milk, I was like, that is a fridge. <laughs> it's full of shit. <laughs> it's got lots of jars. Like yeah, I like the condiment queen, all the pickles and relishes and things I've been making. I'm I gonna take a picture of your fridge. Oh my god, I'm gonna. I, and I keep I keep saying I'm gonna sort this out, but there. are two drawers one that has dairy and one that has says little fishes so it's like all the anchovies and tins and things that i might use but i'm with you on that i think it you you, you don't have to have a lot of ingredients but when you've got the larder and the and the condiments you know which is always my approach it's like you can use the same two vegetables and it's different every single meal and that makes cooking so much more interesting i think because you kind of have to go into the practice of cooking in, in, and not rely on a kind of given structure. You know, when you've been cooking a long time, it's like, well, how could I use that differently? Or what could that... Um, yeah, it's more of the approach to cooking rather than, um, yeah, learning just a certain vocabulary. Yeah. And I, I find if I, if I translate experience to another field, like high-tech things, IT... I'm not as I'm not as experienced with it. I do certainly for some of my generation do a lot online, and so I, I sort of have an intuitive way of working with my computer. But if there comes to a point where there's like an analytical way to do it, I just stop. Hmm. And then um, I had Harriet, who's working resident with me this month. I was doing something on my computer with my printer; it wasn't working, a new printer. And she just went in and she just knew there was this like, um, had a list of things to follow to make it happen. And it happened mm. very quickly. I would have struggled a bit more. So if you reverse that, flip that, she's in the kitchen with me. She doesn't have the experience and the ease that I have. So we're exchanging sort of intergenerational way of working. Yeah. And hopefully when you share with somebody else, whether you're teaching or mentoring or coaching, you're inspiring them, but you're giving them the methods to use to help yeah. get there. And that part of that is that understanding why you do something, and then that's the doing it on purpose. I would really love to talk a little bit about, um, we, we've talked about this before, I think it's really a, a valuable um point about intention because when we were discussing you know talking about intention and how we 
and how we set the intention for our year and how we set the intention for when we are, for example, with groups or on a project, because there's an element of our lives being quite, um, like you've just described, you know, you can go into the kitchen, but because you've got so much knowledge about what you're doing, that you're almost deconstructing the plan, but the intention is really important. And it, it, it's that whole thing of setting your year, but knowing that whilst it might look like it's completely unintentional, because it flows really freely, in fact, it's all structured around intention. I, I do think that people often um, will see that the facade of something, not just me and my life and what I do, but somebody who's so comfortable in what they do, and they don't see the structure, which is, for me, that's the... It's like that's the wrapping around it. Then I don't want people to see all the structure. I don't. They don't need to know what I intended to do. They just need to enjoy Beautiful. the meal or enjoy the shade underneath the tree that I planted, or something that I, has a lot of meaning to me. But they don't need to know all that. They can just enjoy the final product in some sweet way. But I think people will say, oh, that just happened. Oh, look, she just just happens to live in this place. It's like, no, this, this little house, it was, you know, every step was thought through and, and, you know, it took time because it didn't have a lot of money and it took, mm. uh, you know, I had to find people to work that would do things the way I wanted or not do things. Like, don't touch this floor because this floor is so beautiful with 300 years of, walking on it and sort of cracked and and mottled co colors it's like i don't want that to be fixed i don't want that to be taken out and somebody who brings that up clearly doesn't understand what i intend to do for this house mm -hmm. and so i feel that when that people i just want them to come in and feel comfortable and at home and enjoy and slowly discover that the things are here for a reason Mm -hmm. They don't have to have it put it thrown in their face. And I think that a lot of our work is um, is our intention doesn't have to be so visible. Maybe that, that might just be me. I don't know. I, no, I'm the same. I People get quite annoyed with me <laughs> <laughs> because they don't think there's a plan. Oh, yeah. Uh and they get irritated that, yeah, you know, I, things aren't maybe running the way that they're... But the plan is to deconstruct the plan. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and in a way, it's a little bit like our intention for Dame de Paradis. You know, it was for joy. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that the original idea is still what is valid and that we always go back to. It was a way to share mm. um, our experience in this rural life but with interesting people and to bring that forward and and it took us a while to get here but yeah i like that because that also shows that the um the best things grow organically and there's no time frame on it if the mm. intention for it is pure and you're not forcing it it's simply because you just catch the wave of the moment. Like, 
Why not? <laughs> Let's just do this for fun. Yeah, you know what I find interesting, Tam, is when I'm looking now at photographs that might be on Instagram or further back on Facebook or further back post uh, like snapshots that I had developed at the corner drugstore or whatever in those days. And I see um, like March every year, there's this picture of the, my cherry tree, flowering cherry tree that's outside the garden gate when you first arrive here. And I planted that tree. I, I can't, it's got to be close to 30 years ago. It was probably one of the first things I planted here. I made a little space for it and what was kind of just a wild patch of nettles and brambles. But when I look at these photographs and go back year for year, it always blooms in March. It's like the weather can be different one year. It's a little later now than it was last year. Last year at this time it was completely fully open. Now it's just starting. But I, I, I can look back and see that when, when I planted that little sapling that was probably only about six feet tall and you know as big around as my wrist, that one day it would be in full bloom and I would sit here and enjoy and see it. That was my intention when I planted that. Mm -hmm. And now and that is now I celebrate that. It's like my I call it the French sakura, the you know, the flowering Japanese flowering cherries moment that you stop and you pay attention and you enjoy that and you wait for a gust of wind for all the petals to blow or you hear the bees in the flowers, like a whole cloud, pink cloud of buzzing around. All that was, in, I didn't know all that would happen, but all that was implied when I planted that tree. You just said something so valuable in paying attention. I think so often intention and paying attention come hand in hand because so many people are too busy to pay attention to their life and then suddenly, you know, a whole year goes by. Well, we all are. We, all, we are all able to not pay attention, aren't we? It doesn't necessarily matter how busy you are, actually. It just matters how, how present you are to what you're doing to your life. Yeah, and I, it's not to put pressure on anybody. You can't do it all. I think that's one thing that I've under, grown to understand. I can't do everything. I try to do a lot. I do a lot. I do more than some people, less than others, but I've relaxed into what I can and will do because I want to really pay attention to it. There are some things I won't do. It's just too complicated, and I don't want to put myself where I'm not enjoying something or not really creating um, important work coming from it. So I, I, I've limited a little bit more my activities to things that I know I can really get invested in. But I think that for me here, the seasons, the monthly roll around of activity and, and revisiting, like, oh, it's March again. What happens in March? This is what we should be looking at now, like getting the seeds planted, sorting things out, understanding where they're going to go, getting mm -hmm. some the beds sort of, you know, compost which I finally got serious about after all these years last year. <laughs> so now I actually have compost that I can put into my flower beds and vegetable yeah. beds. And I know it gives me 
it inspires me that because I kind of can give myself a bit of a bad time that I'm like lagging behind, but actually. You can always do so much, yeah. but then when something starts to mean a lot to you, then you can, then you say, that's what I want to put my energy into. Yeah. I'm going to spend more time doing that. What's your, what was, what was your intention for this year and how do you go about um, bringing that into fruition? Well, I do sort of have two intentions in the general, as we talked earlier, one for my life, my living, day-to-day -day lifestyle, and one is work, which is part of that, but actually has to have a different focus as well. I have to set time aside from the other things so I can get that done. So the first one really is to allow this building that we're sitting in next to the fire to be, um, it's always been a public space. I used to do my cooking classes in here. People have stayed in here as a vacation rental. I've lived in here with my sister. But to create this um, creative residency, artist and writer's residency is the relay, to really focus that everything I do is going to support that. So that whoever comes, whether they're a screenwriter or a photographer or a painter or, you know, there's an amazing diversity of people who are already coming this year who will, what will they find when they're here? Not just an old French farmhouse decorated in a kind of a charming, quirky way, but where, what will they find to inspire them, a quietude that will allow them to work? but also maybe that book that's on the shelf that they hadn't seen or come across mm. that I will put there hoping somebody might discover it at some point, that the garden will be a, part, a place that they can also participate in either by working in the garden as they want or just sitting under a tree, writing, taking their laptop out under the, sitting in the hammock under the shade, you know, that there are places that they can be productive outside of the building itself. So my everything I do now is based on making this place comfortable and welcoming and inviting for creatives to produce here, to have a little bit of time and quiet, which I highly value, away from their, their regular lives, because we all get caught up. I have to go away sometimes from here because I get caught up in it. But the, that's, so that's like everything I'm doing, and it's varied. It's gardening, it's housekeeping, it's decorating, it's cooking, the pantry. I want there, you know, there, there will be homemade, there, are, there is homemade confitures in the cupboard for them here to use. There will be things that they can access mm. and enjoy. So that's my number one intention for the year that so that by mid-year and things have there have been enough people have flown sort of flowed through I used to call this place the garden or because it was just like people coming <laughs> and going coming and going I want people to come and go and stay a little longer and be a little more um, calm when they're here. And so it's like, quite different this time. It's very different. I mean, you used to haul in the 400-pound pig and cut it all up and make sausage and hams. And, you know, we were worked our crazy butts off getting all this food produced. And now it's like, oh, slow down. Mm. Let things happen. Let there be um, space in your day to 
write or to let an idea come to fruition. I always love the way that you have kind of evolved into the space where you're now, you know, a full-time writer, um, yet having people here in a different way so that you're not necessarily teaching, well, you're not teaching at all, um, but you're teaching in a different way, in a kind yeah. of more subtle way that people are just learning by being here. Yeah, and it's been interesting to see when people are here what they pick up on, yeah. what they focus on. And I, of course, love to see the visual side of things when people photograph. And I've been featuring Harriet's photographs on the, on the website and the Instagram so that people can see another point of view as well. But I think that, the, yeah, for me as a writer, I have to now step back a little bit and give myself that same disciplined, quiet time that I want to, to provide for my guest. Mm. And I'm hoping that that will work because that's the second part, which is to, ha to produce a, a book, an art book about cooking mm. that I um, hope will be be finished but you know at the end of this year I don't know how long it will take to do the actual printing but um and so that I have that time to write not just on the substack as a ongoing but to create a, a, a an art project that is a book mm. so that's the second part of my you know my work part mm. which we'll have to talk about in the second part yeah yeah. And what about you? Tell me what your intention of this year is, because you've had made a lot of changes. Yeah. Um, it's funny, actually, on a retreat in October, one of my guests turned around to me and she said, so you do a lot of things. What are you going to focus on? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I feel my intention is to host myself. Um to host myself joyfully and with love it's so easy when you host others to forget yourself and um, so my I'm doing lots of things this year I've changed my retreats so I've got six five retreats this year um, and I'm writing um, but everything really and I'm you know, I've got my photography, which I'm set the intention to have a photography exhibition. And I have my pottery, um, which I love. And I'm kind of keeping that relaxed, actually, because if I set too much of an intention on that, I don't enable the process of creativity to flow. Mm -hmm. You know, already I started pot making pots again after 20 years, and I was instantly frustrated by my um, Friday afternoon club because it wasn't enough time and I couldn't throw pots all afternoon. And then I thought, just be present with the limitations that are being given to you here because out of the limitations, something else will come. Stop trying to turn it into something and just be with what you're given. And I think that's really my intention that I, I can run at 100 miles an hour and the same with my substack, um, in that my intention is to write four recipes a month. 
but really so that I share with others how I take care of myself. Um, because lots of people say on retreat, well, it's all very well, you know, coming on retreat and experiencing this food, but what are we going to do when we go home? And I'm doing the cooking and teaching the yoga, so I always feel like that's a good example of the fact that I haven't got someone in to do the food. It's not rocket science. You know, in a way, it's like my... Um, it, it's no different to having to cook for your family. You know, I'm I'm doing whatever I'm doing all day, and then I'm preparing the meal for everybody in the evening and breakfast. So, yeah, that's my intention, is to host myself and not to have too much of a defined outcome. Because I find when there's no defined outcome, so there's a vision of how I want to feel, um, but I really want to just touch into the unexpected. Mm -hmm. um, and so far, you know, our intention for the podcast has really mirrored that back. It's like, our intention was just to do something joyful and other people have sent such lovely messages about how much how much they've enjoyed listening to the podcast. So it's that same thing. It's like, I just want to be... One of the things I love what people have responded to said how relaxed we are. And I thought, well, we're sitting by a fire having cake and coffee, a dog snoring or sleeping and... It's like, it's how could you not be relaxed in this kind of lifestyle? And it's not something I do uh, every day. I mean, I, I pause during the day. I take pauses more now. But I, also, but I think that our stopping for conversation is an important thing in our lives. Like we might, before we did this with, on the podcast, we would call each other. You'd stop by, yeah. pick up Chica for a walk. Yeah. We'd have something, have coffee afterwards. We're not doing anything different than we've been doing really for a long time. But I feel that these little moments of, of conversation with a friend and also somebody you admire, I admire you and what you do. You act as a coach for me sometimes. I might act as a mentor for you. Yeah. But those kind of, those um, give and take parts of our relationship is important that we have with, with all your friends. You have different levels that you work on maybe. Yeah. I think that that's important for people to realize that they have that themselves. Yeah, in their extended community yeah. Yeah. with their friends. I'm. It's so interesting, isn't it? Because... It is like the creative flow of how we set intention for our life. We're constantly in that process checking in with one another, you know, because it doesn't always go as you anticipate. And it's like, that's the whole point of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's the letting go. Like you, you have an intention or you have a vision and then something comes along and you want to kind of explore whether that's the... Um, direction that you want to take it in and not to have too much control over everything yeah I sometimes think I, I get an idea of something I want to do and um, I'm pushing 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 trying to make it happen and I think I might have said to you before I have this image of pushing a wet noodle 
and you just can't like a long piece of spaghetti you just can't push it and so you have to sort of turn around and pull it behind and then it come it'll follow you and do whatever you want with it and i find that i i have always sort of tried to push something to happening at the moment where i get frustrated and then i relax oh and then things start to happen and then i see how i can make that happen it you know it, it certainly is very much how i feel about developing the next phase of you know life at Camont being you know this creative residency it may go on without me in the future or it may stop and change when you know that i stop but i feel that there's um it has to flow from the kind of the energy that i have which is usually sustained you know creative vision of some kind and then a feeding in of energy to make something happen that's that you know i have the idea now i'm going to make a plan how to make it it's not a dream come true there's a, I, a friend a long time ago used to say that it drove me crazy it's like a dream come true i said no it's not it was a dream a vision then it's a plan then you work the plan and the plan mm-hmm. that's where you invest your intention that's when you put yourself out and you see how does it how does it sit in the wide world and if it doesn't you have to change and modify it if you can't make in this case if i couldn't afford to support this you know 300 year old building then i couldn't do what i want to do so i have to create that make that happen what happens because one of the things i think is part of our life is the fact that we have quite a lot of time for reflection and um how do you check in with yourself to make sure that you're not running away with things and to assess if you want to take it in a you know to set, to assess how it's going and if it feels right and how you want to change it yeah well when my is um you know having regular conversations with my coach which is you and or uh, irregular sometimes we don't get back to each other for a while um another is i write i write i i put down on paper what i want to do not so much in a private journal kind of way i put it out there yeah and once i put it out there i feel obligated that i have to fulfill that so i have to be careful what i say and i'm the act of writing is like do i want to put that out there is that what i want people to be holding me to is that an accountability of of a sort for me the writing the writing it down the publishing it um and then i look i'm a great believer in looking and watching and listening and reading and i sort of look across a broad um a broad world between newspapers and magazines and movies and television and the social social media world i'm just scanning and looking to see what rings true what supports what i want to do and w- w- what makes it ring false mm-hmm. and then i feel i i'm honing in on what is important for me that i've i don't know if i could give you if an example of I've been I've been broadening my listening. Uh, I don't actually listen to a lot of podcasts as you know because I I uh I I don't do the things. I don't like to wear earbuds or mm-hmm. in things those things in my ears very much. So I have to be doing something where I can listen on the phone 
and in the car, but I'm not in the car commuting and driving very much. So I've really limited, but I've been listening to podcasts about artists and art and women artists in particular. And it's been fascinating to go take a deeper dive into that world, which I, as a young woman, was very involved in art and museum and galleries and paintings and and then got away from that and now to come back to it and look at it in a different way with the idea that I'll be hosting people here who are looking to express themselves. Mm. And I, I, I'm really enjoying seeing what's out there and kind of holding myself against that, saying, am I moving in the right direction with this? No, I should be doing a bit more of that instead. Mm. So I'm just listening. I'm gathering and listening to a lot of, a variety of things and trying to take the best of them into what my practice and what I want to do. Mm. Support women artists more. Um, be more, not to be exclusive, to be more inclusive, but to really be open for people to feel comfortable to come here and work. That's an important part of what I'm doing. And there's so much value in the fact that you're reflecting your whole lifestyle in holding space for others, in that that's what you do for yourself. It's like you hold yourself throughout the whole year in this very steady way, and that is a creative process. And it's not a fad. And that's the no, difference. and I find that the source for so much of that is here, is my home mm. and my house. Like, I believe you have a relationship with your home and what it gives you, not just shelter or comfort, or but there's an inspiration that grow. you know, it like grows out of the ground, like these old stone walls. Oh. You know, there's... There's no foundation to this house. It just comes out of the ground, <laughs> stone by stone. Hopefully it doesn't fall down. <laughs> yeah, it's, well, it's been here 300 years. So <laughs> next year is the 300th anniversary of this house. Wow. Yeah, there's a stone, 1724, that has been the, probably the first part of the first building. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think, like you, I, I love writing but I wouldn't call myself a writer I feel like I'm at the beginning of that journey I find writing very difficult it takes me a long time and I'm very slow about it but I love how it starts to it is one aspect of what I do that enables me to get clear in a way that perhaps meditation uh, doesn't because I, I sort of have to battle a little bit when I'm writing, and then I write something down, and then I rewrite it, and then I rewrite it, and then I ask myself the question, why am I writing this? Is this really of use to others? Is it really of use to me? And so it's always trying to kind of uncover what is the essence behind the question, um, or to share something that I feel has been an inspiration to me. And that's one part. And in my practice, in my yoga practice, I just have that space as a place to be grateful. And I get so much um, steadiness 
uh, from being able to just stop between each pose and just to really center myself and to offer thanks for what I'm doing on the mat at that point. Um, and I don't get that when I write. I don't stop between each phrase and give thanks for writing. I normally do you, like. Do you do that when you're teaching, or your your energy so much when you're teaching, in in a class situation? I almost feel like all the aspects of my how I've structured my life enable me when I'm teaching to be on with all senses. Because when I'm teaching, I'm absorbing all the time so that I'm hearing um, and I'm not just listening to people's words but I'm listening and observing people's body movements um, and energy and where they're at um, so that I can be I mean it might sound um, cliche but really when I'm teaching I feel like I'm teaching at my best when I'm literally just channeling what needs to come through. Mm -hmm. If I try to control it, if I go in with this, you know, designated plan, this is what we're going to do, it never works. So being able to hold myself and be present means that when I come into the teaching space, like on retreat, I don't have a plan ever. I kind of have a sense about all the things, and that I suppose is like, takes experience and having done it for several years I'm not anxious when I go on retreat I have to sort of steady myself into the space and then know and I find that challenging and exciting mm -hmm. um, it's like it takes a lot of energy uh, but it's wonderful to get through that experience and have been able to be the channel and have been able to support people come through and see themselves in a different way. So um, teaching is, it's integral actually. I mean, I, I just stopped teaching yoga um, or I reduced my hours of teaching yoga online just while I set up my vegetable garden and, and uh, kind of settle into the writing and doing the sound for the podcast because I didn't have enough time for the dogs. And so the dogs kept barking in the yoga class. And I thought, I've just got to accept that I can't do it all. But teaching gives me so much energy. And I love the fact that it keeps my own practice informed in a way that if I don't teach, I don't have the same questions. Yeah, I understand that. It's a, I've, I've stopped teaching, as, as you know, cooking here. Partly, you know, as a physical response to my bad knees and a few aches and pains. And, and also I needed a break from it. I'd been teaching for over 30 years and I felt I was repetitive. I was just being on repeat. Not that my, I wasn't learning new things enough to keep me super excited about it. But mostly I, I was, I also, um, I felt that I I wasn't getting that thrill from teaching that you've just described, which I did for many, many, many years. Because like you, if I, in teaching or cooking, um, um, preparing a meal and showing somebody how to do it, I was getting something out of it myself, for sure. I was getting a great 
a great meal. I was getting um, an understanding about something another level that I, t I took it to. You know, maybe I did the same dish over and over, but each time I'd learn something new from it. Mm -hmm. And so I, by stopping that kind of teaching, I had to sort of look to see, well, who's going to feed me or how am I going to eat or where am I going to get the excitement about what I've, you know, I've spent three decades doing and talking about French gastronomy. And it's like, I can't just stop cold turkey. I'm writing about it, but like what am I'm eating cereal out of a box then? And no, I have to cook as well. So it's taken a while. It's taken a few months for me to make that transition to where my life um, away from teaching is now uh, reflecting a bit more of what I want it to be like. I've enjoyed our conversations around that a lot because I obviously we've both been hosting for other people, so we know what it's like to open our homes and host people. But it is um, how can we continue to enjoy supporting others in a different way, but with the same information and. You know, it just shows you when you reach that point, like, for me, that point came because the Fosseptique collapsed at home. <laughs> <laughs> and, and also after 10 years, I was ready for the change. So where I was hosting people in my home, my home is now my space that hosts me. Mm -hmm. And the garden that I'm about to grow will be the food that I cook on retreat. And so it has the same intention but it's enabling the work to happen in a different way. And the same, you know, as yourself, it's like this house is still hosting you mm -hmm. and you're hosting others in some ways through, well, in many ways through your words and now in how other people can explore this space in their own way. It's almost like um, you're letting go. Yeah, I, I have to let go because I sort of stage-managed when people would come here and I would teach, I would stage manage the setting. I mean, I always saw it very much as theater, that what people would experience, what they would see, what they would taste, how they would, where we would sit, what china we would use, or tablecloths, and, and all of that created an event that they would then experience and enjoy and have a great memory of, and then they'd leave with that. To have a creative person, spirit, come in here with their own ideas or their own needs that have nothing to do with me is very difficult to the idea of letting go. It's like, none, you can do whatever you want here. It's not, I mean, I've created this sort of environment, but you will take what you need and want from it. I'm not going to create, I'm not going to create a, you know, déjeuner sur l'herbe, a little lunch on the garden for them to experience, to think about. Right? No, they're going to make their own lunch and do what they want. Take a bike ride and have a picnic by the river or something. But I, I feel that that letting go is like the is the hardest thing and the most exciting thing too, because it means if I let go of all that that I was doing, that stage managing, creating event of, that was a cooking school then I can have that energy to create something else, which will be more personal and more intimate. And the idea of a, the, the book 
not as a published book by a you know an anonymous New York publisher, but rather as something that I create physically, create myself, um, yeah. and share with people. What's the hardest thing about? What's the hardest aspect of letting go? The sense that, that might be that people might have an expectation of me that I'm not going to deliver. Either I'm not going to deliver because I don't want to. <laughs> like I was uh, talking through, I don't want to have dinner with people. It's too late. I like to eat earlier now. I've mm -hmm. ch changed my rhythm of eating to help support my physical um, needs a little bit better. And lunch is always a, a more important meal for me anyway. I'm hungriest in the middle of the day and I eat well. And I, then I, you know, I have a goûter, as a school children might, and a little bowl of soup or a little something in the after, late afternoon, early evening, like 5 o'clock. But that means I'm not going to be doing dinners and, you know, sitting at the table long into the night. And, and I feel that people's expectations of me might be that that is going to disappoint some people. Mm. Um, and also it's like, or I'm going to feel obligated to do that when I don't really want to. Um, so that's sort of trying to hold to my own personal schedule. And then I will write in, as I like to in the morning and not be involved with anybody much in the morning until I have my, you know, the four or five hours of writing under my belt. That's what I like to do. I come up for air and lunch. <laughs> and yeah. It's, um, I can relate to that a lot because I think when you are um, hosting people within your home, that is the creative experience. But when you change your framework for creativity and it's more personal, um, having that sacred space is kind of essential. It's like you can't, for me, I can't be creative in the same way if I'm constantly outpouring upon others. Right. If you have to worry so much about whether their toilet is working or the water, there's enough hot water for everybody to have showers. And yeah. For years, mostly, people have stayed in the hotel, so I haven't dealt with that so much. But they're still here, you know, all the better part of the day, every day. And you just there's a lot to deal with. And I feel mm -hmm. that I'm that having letting go of that is a, a, with a big relief. Like, oh, it's more like you just say, I mean, I, I, I running retreats now as I will be at other locations means that I don't have to worry that I've cut the lawn before and that I've spent a week preparing the house, cleaning, right. doing all the bed linen making sure the food stop, you know, I'll still do the food, but it'll be very different. And it, you can just focus on what's really important rather than, like you say, setting the stage because that part of it was exhausting. Yeah, <laughs> if I yeah. think about it. I mean, and people used to say to me, how do you manage doing everything? It's like, well, I did it because I was, I had loads of energy, but once I stopped, I realized that actually now the Fosseptic has collapsed. It's a really good moment to change the focus to give your energy in a different way yeah you, only, you we all only have 24 hours every day and so to have a, a few more hours to do something else it is it, a get that's a gift now what are you looking forward to the most out of um this new phase 
I'm I'm hoping I'm looking forward to having a little space. I have I have plenty of space here, which is really lovely. But using my office, which is upstairs and away from everybody, so I'm not in a sight line. Nobody sees me if I'm sitting at my computer or my. And to create, let that space to also be a bit more creative space for me, not just a business on my computer space. But I have you know, books, and I have. I just want to have a bit more of that focused time to create something more intimate for myself. Mm. Um, to draw more, to you know, to go back to some of the art roots that I had originally, you know, gone to school with in art, fine arts, to let that kind of come flourish a little bit more now. And um, and to do that alongside other people working. I think that one of the things when people look for a residency, they're either looking for something larger with a lot of people so they get a lot of energy from other people, or in my case, it's a very small, intimate, you know, there's two, three, four people working at any time here. But I'm one of those people, so I will also benefit from the energy of having those people around. Yeah. And I think that that will, that will feed into what I'm doing in both having outside without me having to travel, people come to me, and then also to sort of refine what I want to do myself and hold my own work accountable against other people mm. so i'm i'm working so that my own practice is part of what's happening in this creative space as well mm. exciting yeah i'm looking forward to that as well actually the- you have a lot of yeah you have a lot of of new like with the pottery and creating a studio space and and also, I think the letting go of, um, in a way, the story of Little French Retreat is a big part of what's happening this year and how I'm, because always I, my personal story was often what connected people to come and stay with me. And they were always, um, it's one of the first things they said, I love the fact that you're not um, commercial and that your lifestyle is based on a personal story and that's why you're teaching yoga and that's why you live in your house. And so I suppose that the apprehensions of, let, of what I'm letting go of this year is, is just that, actually, as I transition from welcoming people into my home as a little French retreat to becoming me. Tamsin Jardinier. Yeah, yeah. And I'm really excited about that because it's going to open the space. But I'm all, also apprehensive about that because after 10 years of little French retreat, I'm taking the plunge to kind of um, acknowledge that story, but that I don't need it anymore to define me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want it to define me anymore. I think that's what's more important. Um, and so I can support people in two different ways, actually, very much like you bringing your creativity from, um, the origins of, you know, art school, which your creativity has been part of every aspect of your life, like mine has, but I think I'm bringing mine more to the forefront 
and combining my practice of yoga and Ayurveda also with my sort of intuitive approach to running a business in how I'm coaching other people to be um, more intentional about their life, more intentional about their work and to do the work that they really want to do and not get caught up in being pulled in five different directions that have no meaning. And that is a great place to go on to the part, part two of what we wanted to talk about because that's exactly yeah. what I think we, we all have some interest and need in exploring more of that. Yeah, how to be intentional and doing what we really want to be doing and not getting caught up in the noise. Yeah, exactly. Let's take a pause, and I'm dying for another slice of cake. I was cake. just going to offer you, do you want another piece of cake? All right. 